Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everybody. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. We are recapping the Mercer game, uh, the 73-7 upset victory of the Mercer Bears. Uh, oh, excuse me, over the, the Mercer Bears. Uh, and then we'll be talking about the relevant top 25 matchup against Tulane. Probably wasn't top 25 when they scheduled that, that game. But, um, you know, that's how things shake out for Ole Miss. Uh, first, we'll talk about our alcohol that we've been drinking. Um, what did you drink during or soon after the game? Oh man, I've still just been on that that Smith and Cross rum kick, man. I'm actually pet sitting uh, this week, and I didn't want to bring my whole cabinet, so I just drank that till it it was dry. And <laughs> sadly, now I'm drinking water. All right, well, I drank several things. Um, I'm also not drinking anything right now because it's one in the afternoon. Although, look, it's Labor Day. Like, do whatever. Um, but uh, I had a few, or a couple of cans of Orale which is a Shiner um, Mexican-style cerveza that's brewed with agave, um, and it's pretty good. I'm, I'm a fan. It was a nice kind of chill beer to have. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. That segment that is required. We've gotten out of the way uh, for the advertisers. Um, and now we're going to move on to the game. So yeah, 73 to 7, Ole Miss takes care of business easily. It was only in doubt for about three minutes of game time. Um, after which point I think it was already 21 to 7. Uh but yeah, Ole Miss ran away with it. Mercer did nothing after their first play from scrimmage, went for over 70 yards, a QB run. Uh before we get into like the individuals, and I don't want to talk a lot about Mercer or anything, but <laughs> when that happened, were you were you in the like, oh, here we go, crazy insanity is going to happen, we're going to have to sweat this one out, or were you just kind of like, eh, whatever? I mean, that's a really good question. I watched the replay like three or four times uh, yesterday, uh-huh. and still I'm just really trying to figure out exactly how it happened at the time. I was like, well, I think they should sub in a lot of guys, uh, right away just to say like, Hey, that, you know, we're playing a lot of guys today and that's not the effort we're looking for as a team. (laughs) So, uh, I, I didn't get too worried about it. It just looked like a really freak play. And you know, that guy has a pretty good top gear for a guy who's not a running quarterback. So what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, it didn't make me think that Ole Miss was going to struggle to win the game. Uh, But I also didn't know that what would happen beyond that was uh, under 200 yards of offense from Mercer. Yeah, they weren't they weren't seriously going to threaten to score at any other point in the game. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. No. No. Um, so that was cool. Uh yeah, let's let's talk about Jackson Dart though. I mean, I think there are other key storylines. I don't know, I don't know who you, would be your player of the game. We can get get to that in a few minutes, but 
Um, Jackson Dart just looked super poised. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he was just on point. He was started 11 for 11. And then his first two incompletions were just near completions. Like I think one was actually a drop uh, by Trey Harris on the sideline. And one was a, a near completion that was not quite where it needed to be. Yeah. And there's one that was an obvious kind of miscommunication on where the receiver was supposed to break his route yeah. off. Um, and you know, that, that happens, but yeah, an incredible performance. The only passing performance we saw of him like that was Vanderbilt last year where I don't know, maybe it was a similar thing where we just figured out that their defense was going to key in on the run to such an extent that, it would be pretty easy for, for Dart to just toss it around. Um, but regardless, just the the percentage, you know, the the high percentage that he played at was phenomenal. And if that's any indication of how he's going to play the rest of the year, like that's super, super exciting. It, it raises the floor and the ceiling uh, on the season considerably. Yeah, I actually meant to go back and watch highlights of the Vanderbilt game only because I kind of had a similar thought. But what I remember, and I didn't watch, didn't go back and watch highlights because I forgot. But what I remember about that game is that a lot of those huge passing touchdowns to Mingo and Heath, uh, if you remember, like he, he went for over 400 in that game. Uh, and each of those guys had like 200. Um, but it's, from what I remember, like those were slants that just kind of like the receivers ran away from their guys uh, after catching the ball. Um, mm. Maybe there was a fade or something like that at some point in, in that game. But uh, yesterday the downfield accuracy was just awesome. Like he would drop it in the zone. He, you know, hit guys in stride. Um, I, I, I thought it was, I mean, it's easy to say this because we can also talk about the offensive line. Like, Mercer was not getting to Jackson Dart. Uh, he had all the time that he wanted. He could wait for things to develop, all that stuff. But I don't know. He just—he looked like he was definitely playing on a different level yesterday that, than what we saw last season, even in these easy gimme games. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, what did you think of Spencer Sanders? You know, I, I would like to go back and, and look at his time in the game again. He, he looked pretty good. Um, the thing, the the one play that impressed me the most was also the, the, the play of Ulysses Bentley that impressed me the most. It was kind of a combination between those two where they were in the red zone, an area where Ole Miss has struggled a lot. Um, Sanders rolled out, you know, looked like he was going to commit to the run and then threw kind of like an off angle, uh, short pass to Bentley who then sidestepped a tackler and then, you know, got in the end zone. And it was just a really like intuitive, smooth, athletic looking play, uh, from, from both of them. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I think that, I don't know. He showed again that, or I guess for the first time, but, as we obviously knew that like he would be fine. 
um, you know, he would be fine as the, the quarterback. Uh, he's not. So actually the two lane depth chart has already been released by Ole Miss. There is no longer an or there. It is Jackson Dart. Um, but gosh, what a, what a great backup to have. Uh, and Walker Howard, <laughs> when he came in, he had like two or three throws. I think it was just two that I can remember, but two throws that were just, oh, all right. I guess he's probably going to be a really good quarterback. Uh, yeah, yeah. Best best quarterback room at Ole Miss since the John Vaught days when you could just hoard really good quarterbacks, you know? Right, definitely, definitely. So that's cool. Um, yeah, um, I guess on the flip side, running back, it, nothing was bad about the running back position, but, um, you know, nothing spectacular in that. Yeah, it it was very clear that we didn't have this philosophy that we're just going to run it and run it and run it and run it until the defense just breaks, which we kind of had last year, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think is, is good because you know, you, you can't obviously do that all the time against everybody. Um, And it's, it's good to, you know, have, balance and options and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's really hard to overstate how run heavy Ole Miss was last year and, and how bad the offense, you know, shut down when, when we couldn't run the way we needed to. Um, so yeah, no, no crazy plays by the running backs, but that's probably fine. There's nothing wrong with Quinshawn Judkins. We saw, we saw the same guy. We just didn't see them you know, make a point to, you know, for him to have his like Heisman game against Mercer. Yeah. No, I actually, I saw only one. I, I, I think that sometimes people will like overstate things like this. I only saw one, but I saw one message board post from someone that was like, should we be concerned about, you know, Quinchon Judkins not lighting it up against Mercer? It's just like, guys, <laughs> or guy, guy or gal, whatever, you know, person. Um, you know, this is just a single game that Ole Miss put away, and there is no cause for concern there. Everything's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was maybe surprised that the backup running backs didn't get more opportunities. Um, Bentley only had six carries. Matt Jones had four, and Jam Griffin had three. Um, and that was it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we actually threw 41 passes and only ran the ball 33 times. Um, so that's interesting when it's 30, 73 to 7. But I think some of that is probably wanting to get Spencer Sanders reps, you know, and wanting to get Walter Howard, Walker Howard some reps when he came in. Uh, yeah. Not letting it just be a, all right, the game's over. Let's just run it up the middle every time. Yeah, um, and even just getting Jackson Dart on the same page with, you know, a, a deeper, newer receiver room, you know? Right, right. Yeah, uh, the offensive line was excellent. As I mentioned, they kept Jackson Dart upright. Um, obviously, it's, it is Mercer, I, I want to, you know, everything we say about like placement and the running backs and wide receivers and everything, it's Mercer. They're an FCS school. They are a top 25 FCS school. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll point out. It's not as if they are bottom dwellers of that. Uh, but yeah, you know, we will see how all of these things change as early as this week, but certainly against Alabama uh, and see if the offensive line really has made improvements or if they're just benefiting from lesser competition. But I will say that there were not a lot of like seemingly communication or scheme related whiffs or total misses of, of blocks, uh, which is something that, you know, could show itself even against a lesser team. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, even just the appearance of being composed, knowing everyone, knowing their assignments, everyone being on the same page against bad teams uh, it's important and it's something that we didn't see last year. We had this last year, you know, this talented chaos team. Uh, I mean, we looked bad in pass protection against everybody, like even the bad teams, like the offensive line had to improve over the course of the season to still only look bad against an SEC schedule because they looked bad against whoever we started the season with last year. Troy. I can't Troy is yeah. who we started with last year. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I remember, like, the thing that, to me, made it clear that Jackson Dart was good and something that we talked about a lot on the podcast, uh, even when his numbers weren't great for a while, was, like, he avoided so many sacks. If you remember, like, the offensive line, there was some sort of weird stat where, like, they were top five in the country in least sacks allowed at some point or something like that. And if you watched the games, it was like, how in the world is this offensive line, you know, maintaining this stat? But Jackson Dart was so uh, elusive in the pocket that he was able to really kind of get things, make something out of nothing or just not lose yardage on a sack. Yeah, uh, and so being able means- to see them in this game, not have to even do that or worry about it kind of showed us what, we could have if we can keep him pretty safe. Yeah. Also, when you run the ball 70% of the time, you are going to allow fewer sacks. Um, yes. But yeah, on a per drop back basis, I, man, I don't know. <laughs> Numbers yeah, probably don't look good, so good. That's a solid point too. Um, so uh, wide receiver. Did we have any good wide receivers on, on Saturday? Uh, we had one uh, who who stands out to me, and uh, <laughs> I want you to guess who it is. <laughs> yeah, Trey Harris. It was just, gosh, I I, I was really high on him. Um, if you go back and listen to the podcast last year about like transfer portal targets, and uh, maybe even a week later when we sort of recapped what how things were going at one point. Uh, I was so excited about Trey Harris. Like I, I wanted him. He was my number one wide receiver target before people started committing elsewhere and everything. I just wanted him. Um, and even I, like, I did not expect four touchdowns in his debut. That was or three touchdowns. Excuse me, three touchdowns in his debut. No, he got four. no. It was four. It was four. He, he got four. That's right. Yeah. He got the. I think the first three touchdowns Ole Miss scored. He got, and then he got one after things were you know, getting boring. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, and and not only that, all four of those touchdowns were pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. There wasn't a short one or an easy one or one where he 
didn't make guys miss or break tackles, like just all four were electric. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I am not saying that he is this player. In fact, I would, I would go so far as to say that he is not this player. But it was reminiscent of when A.J. Brown would go up against these types of schools. Mm-hmm. He would catch like the ball 15 yards past the line of scrimmage and then just make everyone look silly and score touchdowns. And that, yeah. that we haven't really seen that since that time. Um, that's not to say we haven't had good receivers since then, but Trey Harris was able to like break two tackles and, you know, juke guys out and just like look like, no, you know, I know that he has 10 yard or 15 yards to go and there are three Mercer defenders between him and the end zone, but he's going to score a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, one of the bigger question marks on the season was, you know, is Trey Harris going to be a suitable replacement for, you know, John Mingo and or Malik Heath. Um, early returns suggest that he may be better than either, um, yeah. which is yeah. really saying something. Yeah. Um, well, it is interesting, though. I think that so Jordan Watkins actually had also six catches for 111 yards. Trey Harris had six catches for 133. Jordan Watkins had an awesome day. He just didn't score touchdowns. Yeah, he did score a touchdown that was called back due to holding, I think. I don't know. Oh, uh, I think you're right. I, I think it was yeah. him. It, man, it was either him or Dayton Wade, but I think it was Watkins. But but yeah, just had, had an incredibly productive day. And, you know, he showed us what he could do or, you know, showed us what he did last year. He, he ran really good routes. He got open a lot. He was just very dependable. Um, in, you know, making things work, uh, in, in zone coverage and stuff like that. And, and yeah, I expect really good things for him. And his punt return was incredible. Uh, the punt return touchdown was. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. That was also really fun. Yeah. It was, it, it kind of marks the end of a weird streak in, in like all of college football too. Like Ole Miss had not returned a punt for a touchdown in like a decade. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like really crazy. I mean, it's, it's yeah. obviously rare, but not that rare. Um, so we got that, that monkey off our back. Um, but yeah, as soon as he caught the punt, like with a little forward momentum already, I was like, Oh man, this might be it. But he still had to make a bunch of great moves and outrun a bunch of guys. And it was super cool. So, you know, if you haven't seen the game, go go watch the highlights just for for that and for Trey Harris. Yeah, uh, I will say, you know, something that you actually texted me about, but I I totally agree with is it was surprising that we didn't see more receivers uh, that that haven't necessarily established themselves early in the game. It was it was the Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, sometimes Aiden Williams, sometimes Dayton Wade show. Uh, and you know, a guy like JJ Henry, a guy like Braylon Brown, Caden Lee, Jalen Knox, guys. sorry, Jalen Knox barely played yeah. until it was like yeah. way out of hand. Like we thought, yeah. you know, he was going to be an, an, or starter pretty much. And like, we barely right. saw him. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that has been a steady thing for Kiffin. He has 
consistently not played very many wide receivers. Uh, and for, for some reason, I guess I had it in my mind that was going to change this year and it could, it's only one game, but this would have been a game to, uh, to get other receivers involved early. And, and it wasn't, I mean, I understand like Trey Harris, you sort of want to, you know, continue to build an actual rapport between dart and Trey Harris. Uh, I guess a similar thing could be said for Aiden Williams, but I don't know, man. Like, I just think we should have seen some other guys early. Just kind of give give people a chance and, and see what they can do. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about Aiden Williams? Uh, I I didn't know what to expect, but yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. And I have, you know, a brief opinion. So he had the one long reception of like 40-something yards. Uh, and then I think he had a short reception as well. Uh his one long reception was really great. He, it seemed, it seemed to me like he located the ball well and, you know, made a play exactly how, you know, you would have hoped. Uh, from what I remember, there was also a pass, a PI that he drew pretty early in the game, uh, on like a deep fade down the right side of the, of the field. Um, so he was obviously involved in the game plan, which was cool to see and did pretty well. Uh, he didn't have a crazy stat line, but that's okay. I think he looked pretty good. Yeah, I'd agree. the The long pass he caught was an underthrown deep ball from Spencer Sanders, or at least I don't know the placement was a little off because he was open and the defender was able to catch up and you know arguably commit pass interference on him again. Uh, but de- definitely very very tight coverage by the time the ball got there and and Williams made the catch. Um, the, the play on which he, you know, was, was interfered with, um, he played that one really well too, in terms of like how he positioned his body and, and how he, you know, managed to focus on the ball and play the ball in a way that made the interference really obvious to call. Um, and then, yeah, he just, he looks super, super athletic. He looks like he has super long you know, arms and, you know, the ability to, to high point the ball and, and to create matchup problems and stuff. And I'm, I'm really excited about him. Yeah. Let's move on to something that's less exciting, which is the tight end position. So this is, this is the only thing we haven't talked about on offense because fullback is not a position anymore. Uh, Hudson Wolf, actually, uh, excuse me, Kyron, Kyron Heath started. Hudson Wolf and Kyron Heath played a ton in the first half. And Hudson Wolf had a great leaping catch and then broke his collarbone. Uh, and gosh, just hate it for the guy. I mean, couldn't play football for two years, has been just sitting out and finally looks healthy, looks good. I mean, we even texted back and forth at that time like, man, Hudson Wolf actually looks really good out there. That's that's surprising. Mm-hmm. Having, I mean, not that I doubt the guy, but having been away for for two years with back stuff, um, and then just, I mean, I broke my collarbone. Um, I, I was much younger and also not an athlete, but the the four to six week timeline seems incredibly optimistic to me. Um, I think that. I mean, I guess there can be varying degrees of things and, you know, there are th- different ways to heal and modern medicine is different than it was when I was a kid. Uh, 
but it it is not a mild bone break injury. It is it is a legit thing that you use every piece. You use your collarbone and the muscles around your collarbone way more than you think you do. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems like, I don't know, maybe half the season for him uh, probably wiped off, yeah. which is super sad. It, it, it's unfortunate, but hopefully he can make the kind of comeback that, that Michael Trigg made last year when he broke his collarbone. I mean, he obviously didn't come back and light the world on fire, but he was, you know, fine. You know, the, the problem was between his ears, uh, as always. Yeah. Um, yeah. He played, you know, it, he played uh, in the second half. Yeah. Uh, what What did you think? So we're, I think the assumption is that he was suspended um, for his kind of, I don't know, continued practice outbursts or whatever uh, was, was suspended for the first half. He played in the second half and he made a couple of good catches. Um, let me actually look. He might've had three even. Yeah. Three for 44 yards, which was good for fifth on the team. Um, so, you know, pretty good, but yeah, you could tell he's like the best athlete on the field at the time, but also still just his kind of head was swimming. Um, just, you can just tell from his body language and I don't know, I, I, I can't explain it any other way than that. He still just kind of seems erratic out there. Yeah, it's gosh, it's so weird. Um, if you if you didn't know anything about the the guys, and you heard that Ole Miss had this great transfer from Memphis, who had you know caught a ton of balls last year, um, who was injured for a few weeks at, at least, um, and they had this elite super talent who makes everybody look like a middle schooler when he's on in Michael Trigg. And then they had a, a redshirt freshman who was a capable starter in this game and Kyron Heath and then Hudson Wolf, you know, who was the number one tight end of the country coming out of high school. Uh, you wouldn't be tempted at all to say that that was the weak link of the offense. But for different reasons, it is. Like Kyron Heath is the only one who we feel confident will play. <laughs> Michael Trigg, when he plays, could be really great or really bad if he's not interested in trying on, you know, to block and things like that. Uh, Caden Priestcorn is injured and Hudson Wolf is injured. So, like, this huge, deep tight end room that could easily handle two players not playing is in risk of having three players not play and only having Kyron Heath and, well, Javante Connor, right? Javante Connor is, uh, is also there. Yeah, he's but a true freshman though. Hasn't really done much. Yeah, he's a true freshman, exactly. Um, gosh, what a weird situation. It really is. Yeah, you don't want to devote five scholarships to your tight end room and then still not have dependable uh, production at the position, which is, you know, aggravatingly the the position Ole Miss is in. Hopefully, you know, three games from now or whatever, uh, Caden Prescorn is back and you know, we'll, we'll just laugh about this cause he'll be really good. But for now it's, yeah. it's annoying. Oh, I mean, look, this is the other thing, Michael Trigg, this is your chance, dude. Mm -hmm. You have the opportunity of a lifetime. You have Caden Priestcorn and Hudson Wolf who were supposed to eat into everything and they're not. 
And so, you know, do it. Bring it all together. Ball out. Dismantle Tulane. Make Georgia Tech linebackers look silly. And beat Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's say that Michael Trigg goes, against, goes out against Alabama 145 yards and two touchdowns. Like, boom. NFL. Yeah. And it's not like that's a crazy thing to think is possible. I mean, at this point, it is. I mean, he... He could. He has the physical ability. At this point, it's crazy to think that he would put it all together. Right, 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 right. I, I'm just yeah. saying that, like, you know, there are there are worlds where that is possible. And I just I just worry that we're just going to see the same thing, and it's going to be so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. He's reaching like you know meme levels of uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I know the. AJ Jackson and uh, Z Mason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the great players that never were at Ole Miss, yeah. you know, um, let, let's move on to defense. So the defense had itself a day other than of course that one seventy yard touchdown run um, on def- on the defensive line, Xavier Harris. I did not expect him to pop like he did six tackles, one sack, two and a half tackles for loss. He looks like he is just a big human. He is not a big heavy dude. Uh, I could have sworn when he was chasing down quarterbacks who were rolling outside of the pocket that he was a defensive end who was like just somehow bigger than everyone. I think he is has the potential to be like a huge star player at Ole Miss. And I did not expect that coming into this game. And it's not just because he beat Mercer. Seeing him run in the open field, he looks like an athlete who has potential in, you know, having a pro career and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, to me, he was the only defensive lineman who really, really stood out the way that you would hope uh, they would against a team like Mercer. We had other guys that, that made big plays that that looked really solid that probably dominated their their matchups, but all the plays where it was like, oh my god, look at what that defensive lineman just did. It was Xavier Harris every time. Yeah, yeah. There was one play Jared Ivy made that was really cool, uh, where he just like overwhelmed the guy in front of him and then quickly quickly ended a play before it really got going. That is true. Uh, that is but, true. But yeah, but yeah, Xavier Harris was. I mean, <laughs> just like a weird size-speed combination um, that that you don't expect, especially at his height and everything. I just I thought he was going to be like kind of oafing out there, uh, and he was not at all. Mm-hmm. You remember there there was a good bit of talk when he was being recruited, and even in his first year at Ole Miss, like, well, maybe he's really an offensive tackle. You know, maybe he'll no. Uh, it's he is not a lot of he is really a defensive lineman. Yeah, it's it's validation for him and for Randall Randall Joyner, who both saw him as a defensive lineman. So that's that's cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, at linebacker, Center and Perkins. Yeah, start him, start him. He didn't yeah. play a ton, uh, but he had nine tackles anyway. So suck it, Pete Golding. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, I know that podcasting is not a visual medium unless you put things up on YouTube. So none of the listeners could tell, but I was doing jazz hands when I said Center and Perkins because nine tackles in 24, 24 snaps is uh, a lot of tackle per a lot of tackles per snap. Um, yep. yep. And just like ate up a screen, got off blockers a ton. He needs to gain 20 pounds, but he's going to be really impactful already. Gaining 20 pounds is easier than, than losing four tenths of a second off your 40 time, which is what most of our other linebackers need to do. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Gaining 20 pounds is easier than becoming fast. (laughs) Yeah. Which he's already got that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Then the only other linebacker that I thought was especially like, I guess worth talking about was uh, Tyler Banks. And that's not because necessarily like he made an impact, but his body, um, again, like he was actually bigger than I thought that he was. For some reason, I sort of remembered him. And maybe this is just the benefits of a red shirt, or maybe I'm thinking of a different player. But I remembered him sort of coming in as like a safety linebacker hybrid type of guy. Uh, and he like looks big. Um, looks like he is, you know, built like a linebacker should be. And that's encouraging. So I think you're talking about Trip White, um, who came in, you know, 6'3", 200 kind of size. Um, mm-hmm. Banks has always looked like a big, mean, strong dude. Um, but yeah, they're, they, they're both, you know, they both have some, some ability. It'll be interesting to see you know, what, what happens next year after we lose some, some senior linebackers, whether those guys uh, have a, a, a bigger role. Probably just get more transfers, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the, the uh, way of things. But um, yeah. I thought Kari Coleman looked good at times, but, but yeah, between him and Monty Montgomery and Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, uh, not, not a, a lot of flash plays. Um, but also you got to think, we didn't blitz a ton against Mercer. Um, and it's just, I don't know, not as many opportunities for big flash plays. I don't guess just a lot of just kind of uneventfully stopping the ball carrier for a two yard gain or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. That, that makes sense. Montgomery and Jean Baptiste each had two assists. Um, and, you know, they weren't in for a ton of plays. I don't have the actual play number in front of me. I just remembered Center and Perkins. But uh, I don't know. Like, I would have liked to see at least one of them sort of, like, have a moment where I go, oh, yeah, you know, oh, look, he did, you know, and, and there wasn't anything like that. It was, I heard their names a couple of times when they were involved in tackles, but mm-hmm. nothing significant. Uh, okay. Corners are kind of tough to talk about. Like, obviously they, they did well. Mercer went 16 for 29, uh, 4.8 yards per attempt passing, uh, 138 yards and a touch, excuse me, 138 yards and a pick, which came from Dejon Anthony safety. Uh, the corners just keep doing it, I guess. Like, uh, there, there wasn't any wide receiver who abused their corner or anything like that. Um, it's Mercer, so we'll kind of have a better sense against Tulane because they're going to have a real task ahead of them. Yeah, their their big receiver threat was 
more of a slot guy and he did do some some damage uh for you know the the little offensive production they had he you know definitely found holes in the defense definitely made some good catches and some good runs and stuff like that but that's just that's just gonna happen man like if I don't know if you're a team like Mercer, like that's the kind of small ball that you're going to have a little bit of success with against an SEC team. And that's, that's what they did. And that's fine. Oh yeah. I mean, modern college defense is just incredibly different than it was 20 years ago when like you could just hold a team to 95 yards if you were incredible, you know, or or something like that. Like it doesn't really work that way anymore. Um, Okay. So safety. Uh, I, my first show note here is slow, uh, because I, I did think the safeties were slow and I don't just mean on the, the one touchdown run. Like I still thought that they, you know, we didn't have the closing speed that we would like to have there. I, you know, not that AJ Finley is like insanely fast, but gosh, we are going to miss AJ Finley and his ability to like read coverage and uh, read, uh, an offense and understand what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. Um, I didn't, I don't think we saw their true potential one way or the other. I, it is, it remains the biggest point of concern for me on, on defense. Um, but yeah, there, there were some, some positives to take away. Uh, Dajan Anthony had a, a nice pick. It, it, it didn't come right into his hands, but it was, it was an errant throw and he just kind of had to reach, back across his body to get it. Um, but then he made a great run after, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And then John Saunders, who, you know, I'm, I'm expecting him to be the best safety, at least uh, in past defense, uh, had a really nice play to jump a route that sh- probably should have been an interception. One of those that just, you know, comes in a little hotter than you expect, but he, he made a really great play to anticipate and jump the route. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, do that against, you know, higher level competition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so who's your player of the game? I mean, it's Jackson Dart. I is as amazing as Trey Harris looked. I mean, playing quarterback is harder than playing wide receiver and, and you could give those to the, the co award, but I think especially some of the criticism Jackson Dart took last year and like bringing in other transfers to push him and, you know, conflicting reports out of camp, whether, you know, whatever we heard he was improved, but we heard, you know, Sanders was still kind of breathing down his neck for him to show up and just have that kind of dominant performance. Um, that's, that's an easy choice for me. Yeah. I, I think so too. I mean, Trey Harris, obviously awesome. Four touchdowns. Wonderful. Uh, and dominated his man, but, Jackson Dart is now top five in QBR uh, coming out of this game and just looked spectacular. Um, it's actually his highest QBR game at Ole Miss. Um, he was more prolific against Vanderbilt, uh, but in terms of like, uh, I guess a lot of the secondary metrics that go into that around like conversion and that sort of thing. Uh, he was, he was not as impressive. Um, and yeah, gosh, just what a, what a breathtaking type of performance, even against a a really bad opponent. So let's talk about a, oh gosh, what a great segue. Let's talk about a better opponent, 
which is Tulane coming up. As I mentioned at the top of the show, they are top 25 opponent. They beat South Alabama on Saturday. Uh, didn't really run away with that game in the way that I... I'm actually not that high on Tulane, but even still, they they struggled a bit more with that than I expected them to. Ultimately, with 37-17, you know, that's not struggling, but uh, it was... Maybe not anyone's game, but at one point it was 24-17 in the third quarter. And um, I don't know, then Tulane was able to kind of put put down, put the clamps down and South Alabama struggled a bit with turnovers. But um, what, what were your thoughts on that game? I, I think you watched at least parts of it, right? No, I, I didn't. Must be talking okay. about okay. someone else. But I mean, looking at the stats, the, the scary thing to me is... Michael Pratt went 14 for 15 for four touchdowns and almost 300 yards. Uh, yeah. I, any, any time a team has a quarterback who can put together that kind of game, that scares me just because like, I don't know. I don't, I don't trust the Ole Miss defense yet to be able to handle a good quarterback who doesn't, make unforced errors you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that'll that'll be an early test i mean uh, Ole Miss is is the better team but I, it's well within the margin of believability for tulane to win this game and even you know win it big potentially if if things don't go right yeah um I definitely think that it is a game where if michael pratt goes off then it's anybody's game um, and he could do it. I think that the rest of the team is not nearly as good as they were last year. And uh, so for those who aren't, who don't know or haven't seen this yet, Tulane lost its top five tacklers on defense last season, uh, all to graduation. Two of those are playing in the NFL now um, and lost its running back to... I think he, he was actually an early entrant into the NFL. Um, and he is, I think he was a fourth round pick. It's Ty J Spears. Uh, no, third round pick. Sorry. Yeah, he's a Tennessee Titan now. Um, lost two of their top three wide receivers from that team. Just a lot to replace. Uh, Michael Pratt is still there. He's really good. But um, the pieces around him are at, at worst or at, at best, I guess they are unproven, uh, even if capable. But I can't get myself to believe that Tulane recruited exceptionally well enough to replace that caliber or that amount of necessary talent leaving. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely agree. They're they're not as good as they were last year, but again. Last time we saw them playing football, other than South Alabama, we saw them beating Southern Cal. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I certainly, they certainly would have beat Ole Miss at the end of last year. Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, how how much have things changed since then? Probably enough for Ole Miss to win. But, but yeah, it'll it'll definitely be a nerve-wracking game for, for me until we, you know, uh, yeah. unless we establish a really big lead. So, uh, you know, we've talked about like 
Tulane has a viable path to victory, which is Michael Pratt looks great and picks apart the defense. Uh, that That is very reasonable and, and possible to happen. Um, I will say that Tulane's offensive line, even though they only gave up one sack, he was hit a lot in that game. Uh, and an interesting thing that was not about Michael Pratt that was kind of telling to me is that Tulane rushed for 3.7 yards per carry in the game. Um, and the reason that I'm really intrigued by that is because when they had Tajay Spears last year, that was not what happened. He averaged um, 6.9 yards per carry <laughs> uh, on the season for 1,581 yards. And so if they, if they struggled to run against South Alabama, then that suggests it's one game, but if we're going to draw a conclusion from a game, it suggests that uh, they are not simply a plug and play schematic running team where it doesn't matter who's at running back. They're going to, you know, run at ease, run with ease. So that was encouraging for me to see. Because I think that even if Michael Pratt is really good, if they're one-dimensional, that's a pretty good spot to put them in. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I I think it'll be interesting to watch, too, how much pressure um, the defense brings, the Ole Miss defense. Um, It could give us an indication of, of, you know, what we'll see philosophically from, from Pete Golding, how he handles you know, high level quarterbacks from, from other teams. Cause you know, some, some defensive coordinators, their philosophy is just to drop eight all the time and make it really difficult for them to find the gaps, but give them all day to do so. And I don't know. I, I think it, it just doesn't work that great uh, in my opinion. So it'll be cool to see what kind of pressure we bring, how often, how much, um, and then how effective that is. If, if we see, you know, Sunterin Perkins, uh, rushing the passer a lot or Kari Coleman or Monty Montgomery, or if we, you know, try to stick to mostly the, the four down linemen, um, you know, that kind of thing. So that'll be kind of what I'm, I'm keeping my eye on defensively, just how much pressure we bring. Yeah. Uh, I will say that Tulane defensively looked pretty good, uh, against South Alabama and South Alabama returned a strong team. Uh, they were 10 and three last year and had a 3000 yard passer and a 1000 yard back that both returned mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, could only put up 17 points against Tulane. They were sacked a lot um, and yeah, struggled to get much done. So that's a little scary, but South Alabama looked like they had offensive line problems and that they were sort of falling apart a lot, um, which hopefully hopefully will not be what happens on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Fun side note. Uh, I was just Googling. I was like, doesn't South Alabama have a pretty good coach? Uh, they still have uh, Kane Womack as their head coach, who was the son of Dave Womack of Ole Miss football defensive coordinator uh, fame and then infamy. Um, <laughs> he was the, the coordinator in 2015 or 2014 when we were great. And then also when things started getting really uh, not great uh, later later down the road, um, but yeah, yeah I, he's, think that, I think he's regarded he was, as a really good. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say I think that Dave Womack was not especially to blame at that point, but yeah, no, 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 d- didn't didn't help the case certainly. 
Yeah. But yeah, Kane Womack is, I think, regarded as a really good young head coach. And he's a head coach and he's younger than both of us. So we'll just go ahead yeah. and crawl into the grave uh, at the end of this podcast. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that actually is the end of this podcast. We will talk more next week about Tulane. We will talk about uh, the Georgia Tech game that's coming up. Georgia Tech, I feel pretty good about uh, after after this first week. Um, oh, one thing we did last year that I'd like to kind of keep keep going with is you and I both had us at eight and four last week. Has anything changed in your mind? Yeah, I'm going to bump us back up to nine and three, man. Just like the the general sense that we knew what we were doing <laughs> uh, really <laughs> gave me some confidence. Like I said, last year, even even in games that ended up being blowouts against bad teams, like we just looked in disarray a lot, and this was not the case. Uh, we look like the a, a team that actually has experience and uh, you know football IQ and and stuff like that, and and that gives me a lot of confidence. Yeah, I, I'm actually still going to stay at eight and four, but I'm creeping towards nine and three. Whereas I think that you could have convinced me a week ago that seven and five was more likely than nine and three. I, I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah. And I don't think not just because of Mercer, like LSU got boat raced by Florida state. Um, I don't know. I watched the state game. I feel a little bit better about the state game than I did before watching them play. Um, I don't know. A lot of the, I mean, there were a lot of teams in the SEC that destroyed their opponents. So, you know, don't want to take too much from it. But uh, I think there are games that are toss ups that maybe I didn't feel were toss ups as much a week ago. And I just think that obviously there's a lot more season. It'll be kind of be interesting to follow that over time, week over week, talking about kind of what we, what we expect the season to be. But there was enough out of week one for me to go, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe things aren't quite as bad as I expected them to be. Yeah. Yeah. LSU. Uh, I mean, they put together a really good, like two and a half quarters against Florida state. And I thought kind of at the time that they might win that game, but then they, they really fell apart in a way that was surprising. Um, and at in Oxford, I think that that game is a lot more, in play than, than maybe I originally thought after seeing that, that game. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to do it. And, um, we will talk to you next week. Thanks everybody.